Wow, what a day. Amen? Already, already. A lot of, um, see some new faces and some folks that are here. We're so glad that you're guests with us today. Um, I, I had to do a double take. I saw the Kellums here today, and it's so good they're here today. Good to see y'all. Thanks for tricking me. I didn't know you were coming, so all those surprises are so beautiful. Uh, they close on their house tomorrow, so that means it's official. And uh, so we're just, you know, we were having a little hope there, but we're glad y'all are worshiping with us today. We love you. We're praying for you on your mission, so it's awesome. Um, I just want to say a point of, of, of personal privilege because I really, truly believe God um, continues to overwhelm me with our ministerial staff team. Yeah. Um, seriously. If you haven't walked through the new wing and everything like that, you need to. And you need to also understand uh, that we're very thankful for the construction team, BT&D. They're in here uh, today, Brandon and Jimmy and their team. Thank you so much for all you've done there. And, um, but particularly, I just want to point out one person on our team that stepped up in a huge way last week, and that's Brandon. Brandon, thanks for doing that for me personally. Um, when you've realized you're sick and you can't step in the batter's box and you're supposed to a couple of times. We started our new member class last week. Uh, we got a real awesome gift, and thank you so much for being that, uh, willing to serve God. So y'all give it up for Brandon. I'm so thankful um, that you did. Um, to be able to at last minute preach and then to do the new member class was amazing, and I'm telling you, I've said this before, that I think it's really difficult to preach somebody else's sermon. And when you have a written outline that's already gone to life groups and stuff and somebody preaches that, it's tough. And you did a great job. Thank you. Um, thank you for prayers. I'm back. I'm healthy. I'm good. I'm good to go. Amen? Amen? Some people say roll tide, but I won't say that. I won't do that today. Okay? Uh, I won't. I'll just keep going and I'm excited. Uh, no, I'm so, so excited to be here. As um, I'm reading through, by the way, it really is one of my favorite things to do is to read the Bible chronologically because it helps me see the big story. Somebody say big story. It helps us to see the big story of God, the meta narrative, if you will, meta big narrative story, the big story of God. And that's what we have here. And so it's just starting. And, and I want you to go ahead and even see yourself in part of this story. And you're like, I'm so confused. I don't understand. Well, the revelation part, the dream part, where, you know, it dreams about the end and, and what happens there in Jude and stuff, between that part and, and the end part, we're in there, right? We're his disciples. We have choices to make to follow him more and more each day. And so I want you not to miss that, that these things, these lessons that the early followers of God are doing are meant to, for us to hear are meant for us to apply to, to our life as well. So don't miss that today. Um, I told you about the idea. There's so many things about Joseph. You know, we, we already tied in the sanctity of life issue. We, we talk about integrity. We talk about wisdom. We talk about all these incredible things that God does in this one story. But today, there's some critical points that I think we need to see and... Um, just because I kind of have the microphone, I'm going to read a little bit of the Bible, okay? Uh, we're just going to read the story. One reason that I'm using the New Living Translation is because it's very readable and it's very understandable. And so 
I'm going to be reading out of that. I'm going to be starting in um, Genesis 39, and we'll just start in verse 1. And I'm going to read for a little bit, okay? Potiphar promotes Joseph is the headline. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the uh, Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer, military leader. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh and the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Then, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in this entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around, and he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, come and be with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he fled, she called out her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. And you know what happened. She began to make accusations and then... This is what happened with their husband. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained, however. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a a favorite of the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, the idea that you can go to prison and have your favor is almost mind-blowing. But God, that's how big you are. That's how good you are. That's how loving you are. That's how much you have a plan for your children that follow you. Lord, speak to us today. Teach us through your word. 
In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Well, the story's not finished there, as you know. But I want to just point out a few things about this story. There are so many things that jump off the page of the scripture. First of all, in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. The Lord is with us. Okay? Now remember, let's back up. The story goes, the brothers were mad at him because he told them about the dream he had. They wanted to kill him. Reuben came in and said, no, we're not going to kill him. Uh, we're going to throw him in a pit, and we're going to beat him and whatever you know they did. Then they did what? You remember? They sold him into slavery. These, um, these the, the caravan and all, they went, and then Potiphar got him. Potiphar bought him, and he was basically Potiphar's slave at the time. He was his servant because he had God's favor, because he was willing to submit to authority. What happened? God rose him up. He earned favor of even Potiphar. Good things happened in a situation that could have been terrible, terrible, terrible for Joseph. But because Joseph was willing to submit himself to God and say, but God, you've got me here. I'm going to try to please you with that. You know those phrases that I've used before in teaching? Actions, attitudes, and what? Words, okay? In our actions, attitudes, and words, we've got to watch what we say, how we say it. We've got to watch what we do and how we do it. We've got to watch how we think. We've got to watch what we're putting in our brains, we got to do all these things in our actions, attitudes, and words so that we can reflect God in our lives. Let me tell you something. You're only kidding yourself if you don't think that this lost and dying world is looking at you because they know you claim to be a Christian. They know you claim to be a follower of Jesus. And they're either seeing what that's really supposed to look like, which are made evident, through the fruits of the Spirit. You remember those? Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Remember those? Self-control. That's what they're, 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 they're made there. And so you can even see this huge word that we're going to talk so much about this year play out. That when God says something, when he puts it out there, he wants us to be obedient he wants us to be obedient. He wants us to walk in the righteousness of God. And that's exactly what Joseph is doing. The Lord is with us. His blessings are all about us. The scripture literally says this. When we obey, we will be blessed. You'll see it over and over. That is not prosperity gospel. That is not. That is the blessings of a righteous and holy God who is our father. He wants to take care of his children. Amen? That's what he does. He watches over us. He protects us. He has bigger plans and dreams than even we know. He uses even bad things for his glory and for ours. God knows what he's up to, and I'm, I'm so thankful for the testimony of Joseph in this story. The Lord is with us. In verse 39, 8 and 9 we see that Joseph refuses to sin. 
But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Now, Pam and I have talked a lot about this. Is it interesting to you early in the, New, in the Old Testament here how many wives these dudes had? Okay. Is it, I mean, let's just be honest. It's pretty wild when you think about all that's going on here. You're talking about wives. You're talking about concubines, servants, all this stuff. They had children with this person, with that. I mean, it's kind of wild, right? Like, how do, we, how do we wrap our minds around this? With all of this, and I'm just going to speak freely here for just a second. With all of this, almost just this prowess going on, okay? This, this we're, we're the guy and we're able to do whatever we want to physically with, with a lady, with anything like that going on. And you literally have the story of the woman coming to him. He, had, he even said it, I've got all the power in the world. What I think he might have been saying is, yeah, I could get away with this. That wasn't Joseph. Joseph was a man, write this down, of conviction. He was a man of conviction. He knew right and wrong. He knew that he was a servant of Potiphar. This was Potiphar's wife. Even if she wanted to, it would be wrong. Not only to Potiphar, but to God himself. It would be a sin against God, is Joseph's quote. Men, women, I just want to speak frankly about our culture right now. We're in an anything goes culture right now. I don't have to tell you that. Our phones, our computers are full of it. Our, our apps on our TVs, it's everywhere. Not only sexual immorality, but now homosexual immorality. Everything is everywhere. It's all okay. We're teaching our children that everywhere, that it's okay to be whatever. I want you to understand, and I'm just going to say this as, as, as clearly as I can, whatever is not okay with God. I'll say it again. Whatever is not okay with God. God has precepts, he has foundations, he has set the concrete on the house that he once built, and not anything goes. You and I, for us to understand this, to walk in conviction and say, no, I will not go there. I will not watch that on my computer. I will not participate in that conversation. I will put up barriers in my life. I've been watching the church, people like even Billy Graham get ridiculed for having what we call the Billy Graham rule now. And that's where I'm not going to go into a hotel room with a television in there by myself. I'm going to get somebody to come in and get that out before I do it so that I can not have any chance for temptation. And this is back in the 60s, 70s, you know, a long time ago, right? And now people, even in the church, are saying, well, even he shouldn't have done that. That's wrong. That's judgmental. That's, you know, whatever and everything like that. And the reality for me is you set up boundaries so you don't cross them. 
If you want to be obedient to God, you have to say no before it presents itself. That's the reality. The reality is Joseph had said no way before Potiphar's wife had come. He was a man of conviction. We have to set those boundaries up. Sometimes we have to turn the TV off. Sometimes we have to say, I'm not going to watch that TV series anymore. Sometimes we have to say, I'm not even going to watch. I'm going to get rid of that app. I'm going to get rid of that thing. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm going to get some biblical godly accountability in my life so that I can be this man or this woman of integrity. You know that I'm pretty passionate about this because I see people fall all the time with this stuff. This is a sermon within itself. And the reality is Satan is on the prowl with our purity, our promiscuity, our sexuality. In Psalm, David writes this, how can a young man keep his way pure? There's only one answer, and it is by living according to your word. That is it. Joseph refused to sin. Sin against Potiphar and against God. So this is where the story takes curve. He refused to sin, but got sent to prison anyway. Well, how's that fair? I didn't do anything. I said no. He's in prison. He's there. So what does he do in prison? We'll find out in just a minute. But the reality is, even in the middle of us trying to be obedient to God, bad stuff can happen. Have you ever asked God why bad stuff happens? Come on, y'all. Come on, let me see it. Let me see that hand. Come on. I need to see it. Listen to me. I'm going to give you a life lesson. You ready? Life lesson on asking God why bad stuff happens is this. This is critical. I just, I, I just really got to this truth about a year or two ago, and it's one of two options. God allows it or he causes it. You hear me? God either allows it or he causes it. I think a lot of Joseph's story is that God allowed it to happen because he was going to cause something great at the end to happen. Bad stuff can happen. In verse 39, 19-20, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's stories about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. So, you ever had bad stuff happen? You're following God. You're on the trek. You might have even won a victory in your life. You need to realize that. Joseph had won a victory. I put up with, you know, I stood against temptation. I didn't go there. I said, no. You might have a victory in your life and you still find yourself. Well, why did that happen? Why did I lose my job? Why did my parent die? Why did whatever it is? And you find yourself in that bad situation, in that rough life circumstance, and you go, why, God? But the reality is you've got to do this. You've got to praise God and thank God for everything. And you press on, and you stay strong. So all this was happening. Joseph was in prison, and you remember what happened in jail. You have, you have the, the servants that are in there, right? 
You have the chef, the, the cook and everything. Then you have the um, cupbearer. You have all these, these things going on around him. He is gaining um, insight with and, and encouragement from the staff down there, from the jailers. And he's also able to do what now? He's got this new thing that he's able to interpret dreams. Right? Remember he was the kid that was dreaming these crazy dreams about his brothers bowing down to him? And now God's given him really some prophetic eyes to see and ears to hear what things mean. And so these two have dreams and he's able to tell them specifically what happened even in a couple of days events, one released and one is killed. You remember the story. And what did he do? He said, hey, when you get up there to Potiphar, go ahead and put some good words in for me so that, uh, you know, because I'm kind of ready, to, honestly, to be out of the prison thing. I'd love to get on out. Well, we know what happened. He forgot. He forgot to tell him. And the important thing for Joseph was that you, he pressed on to live out his calling. You and I have to press on to live out our calling Listen to this one little sentence, part of a sentence, two full years later. Two full years of being somewhere he didn't deserve to be, being somewhere he didn't want to be, but he made lemonade, you know what I mean? He walked in righteousness, he encouraged people, he got some even leadership and responsibility in prison. And then all of a sudden, God allowed it to happen for two more years. And in God's timing, Potiphar has a dream. And he needs an interpreter. And there's an aha moment for the former prisoner who forgot his buddy and said, oh, you need to go talk to Joseph. He interpreted a dream for me and it came in fruition when you let me out. And he can do it for you. The important part is that Joseph pressed on. There are going to be days where you want to absolutely quit. Amen? There are going to be days where you want to throw in the towel, give up, say, I've tried all I can. I've done all I can do. But we've got to press on. You got to go the next step. You got to do the next right thing. That's a prayer that I often ask God, what is the next right step for me to make? What is the next right step? Not 20 steps down the road, not, not, not two months down the road, but what's the literal next right step for me to make? You press on by keeping your eyes, you ready? Focused on the Lord. You don't take your eyes off of Jesus. You don't do it. So God shows up and he does what he does. And here's in verse 41, 16. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. But God. Do you realize that your entire testimony your entire testimony of following Jesus is a but God testimony. Every single one of us, 
I was going down the path and there was no way out but God. As I'm worshiping this morning, and I, I don't know what's going to happen with this. Ricky, we've been talking about writing songs. But as we were singing this morning, a but God song came to my mind and my heart. And it was but God parts the water. But God heals the sick. But God, and you can keep going with all these things and realize that every time you've gotten to a precipice or a crossroads in your life, but God showed up. Do you realize in scripture there are 31 but gods? In the Bible there are 31 but gods where people got to a point, they got to a thing, but God made a way, amen? When there seems to be no way, God does it, and it's incredible every time, and, and, and I'm just going to go to the end of the story. You ready? Oh, this is so good. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God, of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied to them, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended it to harm me, but God intended it for all good. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving. Thank you for healing. Thank you for all the ways that you make a way when there seems to be absolutely no way. God, today we know that you want to take this church and you want this church to make an impact in this world. Lord, we can't do it. We can't do it, but God, you can. We trust you, Lord. In Ephesians 3.20, you tell us you will do more than we can ask or imagine. And we trust you today to do just that with the gospel of Jesus alive in our lives. To take to a dying and hurting world. To take to families that need restoration and redemption. To take to singles that are, are sad and lonely. To take to people that are mad and have been hurt but God you change lives you redeem lives what is intended for evil you have the power to make it good we love you in Jesus holy and precious name